Hello and welcome to The Dad Whisperer. I'm your host, Dr. Michelle Watson. And because my passion, as you know, is to help dads become heroes, I come again today loving the fact that I have a little bit of time with you to help support that goal, especially when it comes to the dad-daughter relationship. And as you know, every week I love to have a grid. I have found that men tell me I do best when I have a grid to hang new truths onto. So it's simply on your mark, get set, Go, where you picture yourselves, Dad, standing side by side, each other in your fathering race, and I'm on the side as your coach saying, on your mark, there's the topic every week, get set, I'm going to fill in that topic with stories, with stats, and then go is your go step where you have a practical way to put your love for your daughters and your sons into action every week. Well, today on the program, I have the honor of talking with a heart friend of mine. Her name is Felicia Snell. And before we get going, I want you to know a little bit about her. She lives in Indiana. She spent the first half of her career as a teacher, and she now has been a licensed marriage and family therapist for the past decade. She owns Sunstone Counseling Center, where she has a unique, that's what I call it, a God-given passion and gifting for walking alongside people who are working through challenges, including intense trauma sexual abuse, even eating disorder recovery. She's also a mom to three grown kids and is a grandma to those that she calls. This is so adorable. She says they're the two most adorable girls and one adorable boy on the planet. And I met Felicia back in 2011 at an eating disorders conference in Colorado where I was speaking on fathering, the ABBA project, even about how God as a father heals us. And I'll never forget the way that we bonded because after that plenary, she ended up coming up to me later and said, I walked right out of there got on my computer, wrote emails to dads of daughters I was seeing as clients at the time, and she immediately put together what I call like the first remote group of the ABBA project. And that tells you a little bit about her. She is a woman of action, a woman of passion that says, I've got to put the things I believe in into a palatable format where those I'm working with can understand it and take action. So Felicia, welcome today. It's a joy to have you here. Thank you, Michelle. And we've got to start, don't we, with I'm Telling Dads, We're Going to Tell Them on Your Mark, which the title that you and I came together to to bring to the table today is called How Honorary Dads Can Heal an Honorary Daughter's Hurting Heart. How's that for a lot of H's? How Honorary <laughs> Dads Can Heal an Honorary Daughter's Hurting Heart. So today we're going to be talking about the healing power of an honorary father. Some might call that a surrogate father, maybe even a step-in dad, somebody that fills that spot for a daughter that has a dad who's not very involved or invested in the life of a girl or a woman. So before we get to that part of the story, Felicia, tell us a little bit about yourself so that those listening can get to know you. Thanks, Michelle. I grew up in Kansas, and I've lived in Indiana for almost 40 years, so I'm kind of a Midwest gal all the way. Mm Mm-hmm. I was a learning disabilities teacher in my first career, then a stay-at-home mom for my three children for many years, and then spent some time working in various social service agencies, and then decided to go back to graduate school in my late 40s to become a therapist because counseling is my real passion, and it's what I would always end up doing in my other jobs. So now I'm a marriage and family therapist. And like you said, I specialize in trauma in Greenwood, Indiana, which is a suburb of Indianapolis. 
and I have a uh, nice private practice, a really cozy little office, and a thriving client load, which keeps me really busy and very happy. Mm, I love that. Well, let's dive in now that you've set a great foundation where people know a little bit about you into the topic today. And I just want to say here at the start, Felicia, thank you for being willing to be vulnerable, to be willing to share your story, which now leads me to ask you the question, describe for us what your relationship with your dad was like growing up. Well, I was the oldest and only daughter, and my father and I had a very distant relationship, even as a young child. Um, By the way, I've only referred to him as my father, not my dad, because I feel like dad is a term of endearment, and I never really felt that sense of connection with my own father. I became very resourceful at keeping a distance from him so that he couldn't participate in in my life or the activities of my life. Mm-hmm. And, um, and my own father growing up was actually my abuser, both sexually and emotionally, um, from the time I was four to about 13. But then the emotional abuse lasted until my parents divorced when I was in my early 20s. And at that point, I severed my relationship with him permanently. Mm. Wow. Thank you for being honest about that. And I realize, Felicia, in an interview forum like this, where we have a time limit, it could maybe sound like I'm being insensitive to the depth of pain that you just disclosed. And so I just want to first say that my heart reaches out to you. I'm so sorry that that you went through that. I'm sad for you that you had to endure that. But now, if you don't mind my asking, what were you left believing then about yourself as a result of how your dad treated you? Well, I craved my father's love, um, as any daughter does. Uh, Yet he terrified me as well. This relationship left me always feeling like I wasn't good enough. And so to compensate for that, I tried to be perfect. And I believed that if I tried hard enough and was good enough, he would just love me and not hurt me. Since I was never able to attain that, that perfection or that love, the message that I created in my head said, I can never be enough because I'm seriously flawed. Mm -hmm. And... He was very emotionally damaging to me in how he spoke and his lack of understanding when I messed up like kids do. Mm-hmm. Yeah, here you're just a normal kid, but mm-hmm. the dynamics there obviously wrecked havoc on the inside of you. Can you, like, do any stories come to mind? Can you share a story that maybe has stayed with you all these years that reinforced those lies that you weren't enough or that you were seriously flawed? Any come to well, mind? Well, Probably the story that stands out the most is a time when I was about eight, um, and my father took my brother and I out for ice cream cones. It was in the summer, and and it was a treat. And as we were walking out, I dropped mine. It landed upside down, of course, and instead of being understanding, I got berated. I was yelled at for being a klutz. And he then loudly announced how stupid I was to everybody else around as he went back inside and threw my ice cream in the trash. Mm. And, you know, there was another time I dropped a bowl of gravy at a family gathering and stained my grandmother's lace tablecloth. 
And I felt so humiliated as he berated me in front of this family gathering for what, in my Mm. little child mind, it seemed like hours. Wow. Oh, Felicia, my heart is just breaking for you. Like, I, I wish we were in the studio together because I would just, everything in me would want to come over and hug you right now. I would uh, love that hug. <laughs> I mean, not to mention that it, it breaks my heart, even for you as a child. Don't you want to hug that little girl you and say, you know, it wasn't your fault. And I know, mm-hmm. Felicia, there are those listening today who can relate to your story because they were either abused by their fathers, maybe even someone else, and that whether that injury was, you know, sexual or physical or verbal or even emotional, they're still shaped, maybe even trapped by it today. And you know, because yes. you and I have talked about this, that I too have a story of sexual abuse by my grandfather and and even some others. And I completely relate to what you're saying about carrying those distorted, deep beliefs about yourself inside that feel true, even though you know, in your head, you know, that there lies. So Felicia, how did you, you know, how did your dad's treatment of you, I guess I should say, get internalized on the inside of you as he was, as you just told, berating you publicly, privately? Mm-hmm. Well, he, he taught me well. He was a great teacher. Um, and I learned well. And I learned from him that my nickname was stupid. Yeah. It, we're inserting the sarcasm there, people. <laughs> you know. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Um, and I would work hard to prove I wasn't. So, you know, and I did that by always trying to be perfect. And so my quest for perfection even went beyond my relationship with him, but it went into school and my activities. So I was always striving to be perfect, but never able to achieve it. And so his feelings about me just got cemented in my head and I became, you know, I began to believe that I was really stupid mm-hmm. and stupid was my go-to name for myself whenever I felt like I didn't measure up for many, many years of my life. Um, and actually, I still struggle with feeling mm-hmm. stupid at times. Mm-hmm. Boy, I, I think you're testifying to the fact that those early injuries can so stay with us through our lifespan and that they desperately need healing. And that's what we're talking about today is that we don't have to stay stuck and trapped just in the story that that happened to us because God is always working on rewriting our story. I love Psalm 18, 24 in the message that says, God rewrote the text of my life when I opened the book of my heart to his eyes. So Felicia, you know, kind of transitioning now to the healing part is how have you experienced healing for those deep hurts from your dad? Well, I I was in counseling for many years Mm -hmm. and a huge part of that process was just learning to accept that I had value. I also benefited from many, many close friends and teachers and other role models, including my honorary dad. Which is what we're going to be talking about today. And I want to just highlight the fact that I always say we hurt within the context of relationship and we heal within the context of relationship. And so now we're going to transition into some stories about your honorary dads, as you've called them. And you've told me some of that story, and I think it's really powerful, which is why I invited you today. So tell us a little bit about those honorary dads, those father figures who've stepped into your life and had a reparative influence on you. 
Well, I have been blessed with three wonderful father figures in my life, so I feel very, very grateful for these these men who stepped it up. The first one was the father of my friend Mary, who was one of my closest friends growing up. We met in first grade. Mm. Her dad went by red um, because he had red hair, <laughs> and we and as we grew up, I just found myself spending more and more time in her house, mainly because it was safer there and, and mainly because it was happier there. Her parents became my second parents, and over time, her father took more time to talk to me about my interests and my hopes and dreams mm. and problems. Mm. How neat is that? So it, it sounds then like you could tell in your heart, even as a young girl, that this place was safe. And you yes. trusted this man unconsciously, even if you wouldn't have maybe called it trust at the time, it sounds like. Yes. I, I felt he was safe and trustworthy because I started hanging out around her family when we were very young. And at a young age, I was just happy to have anywhere to hang out, um, to enjoy sleepovers like little girls do, to have someone take an interest in me. And so I think I just grew into the safety and trust of their family because mm. I was a really attention-starved kid. <laughs> yeah, I can understand that. At some point, I started considering him like my dad, my made-up dad, mm. even though at that point I really didn't know what a dad was supposed to be like. I think he helped teach me that a dad can be kind. He also became my encourager and for years would cheer me on in my activities and interests. Mm. He would remind me of the things I did well and the good parts of me. And he always encouraged me to pursue my dreams. He wow. was also one of the very first people that I told I wanted to be a therapist. And he cheered me on through the process of getting into grad school and going to grad school and continually told me I would be a good therapist. And I always say he's the dad that taught me to believe in myself and that I was good. And he was this very humble person. Um, I consider him a silent hero in my life. And he passed away almost 10 years ago, and I still miss him when I'm in Kansas. Mm, I can just hear that tenderness in your voice for him. And you, Felicia, you've said there were a couple other dads. Tell us about dad number two. Well, my second stand-in father is my father-in-law, Lloyd. Mm. And I've known him for over 40 years now. And although he's um, quite elderly and frail, I still care about him so much and still enjoy my time with him. He showed me probably more than anything the example that you can do anything if you work hard. He was a very hard worker all his life, always giving his all, whereas my own father wasn't really a fan of working and often did little to provide for our family. So Lloyd has often been a man of few words. He leads more by example than talk. However, as he's aged, he and I have been able to have some lengthy talks about his life, just life in general, and his values and beliefs. He's the dad that taught me to work hard for anything I want to do or be, and that whatever I want to pursue, I'm worthy of working towards mm, it. I'm worthy. Wow. Something you had never heard from your own dad. No. So now tell us about dad number three. How'd he shape you? 
Well, my third honorary dad is actually the man I always refer to as dad. His name is Rich. However, I've never called him that. Um, He's the father of my best friend, Kathy. And she and I met in college and are still very close 45 years later. Mm. And her family became my family. And I spent more time there on college weekends and summers than I did at my own home. Um, Both Kathy's parents welcomed me into their family and created a loving and, and very warm place for me. And at some point, it just evolved. I was no longer a guest and treated like one of the family. And to this day, I'm very much at home there. That's awesome. Her dad found me amusing when we first (laughs) met. Um, We used to share a lot of laughs. He also showed an interest in my life, in what I did, and he just seemed to take me under his wing like a dad does. He loved me. He made it clear to me that he loved me and even disciplined me with love when I needed it. Okay, okay, wait, wait, wait. He disciplined you with love and he wasn't your biological dad. What are you talking about? (laughs) Say more about that. Well, in my young 20s, I had a little issue with spending more than my means, and he made sure I got that corralled and Mm. learned to manage money better. Wow. He was very kind but firm about what I needed to do. And he also gave me some really good advice about a boyfriend at one time during college that wasn't very good for me. Mm-hmm. Wow. So, That's yeah. awesome. That he is was, awesome. He definitely was a man of honor and integrity. Mm-hmm. And he had an amazing sense of humor. He had a story, most often with a life lesson in it, for every occasion. <laughs> he was also a man of deep faith in God and deep faith in people. Mm-hmm. And he taught me m- more about respect than anyone in this life has. Mm-hmm. He taught me about respect, love, and fun. And he's the one and only man I've ever called dad. Mm-hmm. And he's the only one that can ever call me Phil, <laughs> which is a special thing between us. <laughs> Because my closest friends at that time called me Fel. Right. Short for Felicia. Okay. So he, he had a nickname for you even. How, yes. How endearing is that? Wow. Yeah. And that started pretty early after I met him. Aww. So um, we he, he went to heaven about a year ago. Mm. And losing him was a deep loss for me. No kidding. And mm-hmm. he's a man who definitely made a forever deposit in my life. Wow. I think the power of your story, Felicia, for those dads that are listening today is that they're hearing that the daughters of, you know, other dads who may not have stepped in, which may be in their home, like friends of their sons or daughters who are right there, the impact that they can have as a fill-in honorary dad, they may never know the full impact. And here you are giving a voice to it, you know, 50 you know, 45 years later, 40 years mm-hmm. later, and, and I'm trusting that dads will take a new initiative to look into the hearts and lives of the daughters or the girls, we should say, that are coming into their home. Because though I'm so sorry for your loss, I just want to thank you for the power of sharing your story about these three honorary dads, because it's mm-hmm. really beautiful. And so let me just review. Let me see if I got this right. So honorary dad, number one, you called him red because of his red hair. Mm-hmm. He took time to listen and to talk to you about your interest. You said your hopes, your dreams, problems. Yes. So he was there to listen and talk with you. And Honorary, encourage. And encourage. There you go. Yes. Honorary dad number two is your father-in-law. 
Lloyd, and he's the dad that taught you to work hard for anything you wanted to do or be, and that whatever you wanted to pursue, you were worthy. That was the word that really stood out to me when you said that, that Mm. you're worthy of working towards it. And then dad number three, Rich, the one you called dad, taught you about respect, love, and fun. Wow. And you said together, really, these men have made a forever deposit in your life. That is so powerful. And you know, for me, like, this this is my whole perception of dads. And so when I'm counseling other dads, mm-hmm. you know, much of what I draw on is from, you know, the dad experiences I've had with these three men. And, yeah. and there's been some other, you know, male role models, you know, that I'll pull from, yeah. you know, dads I've admired. But, you know, as far as my own dad experience, you know, <laughs> there's not much I can draw on there to, you know, to counsel someone else. <laughs> yeah, really good point. Really good point. <laughs> So, Felicia, having heard your story of these honorary fathers and being a therapist, what do you believe keeps men from stepping up and being willing to step in as a father figure to maybe what we'll call a fatherless daughter? Well, personally, I think the biggest obstacle is that men don't often see the need in the girls or the young women who are in their homes mm-hmm. as friends of their children. Yeah. And then, too, maybe some men are cautious about investing in fatherless daughters due to society's caution now because of so much sexual abuse and inappropriate relationships or mm-hmm. perceptions. Oh, that's, that's a really good point. I think sometimes maybe that whole thing I say that men would rather do nothing than do it wrong. So mm-hmm. they think, okay, I don't want to be perceived as being you know, creepy, I guess we could say that. And you're saying, no, no, no. As a fatherless daughter, really, in so many ways, you know, maybe your dad wasn't always absent, but what he was doing was so harmful, is these dads had such a life-changing healing impact on your life, which is why today we're talking about how honorary dads can heal the hurting heart, right, of a, yes. of a girl that's under their roof that they may not even know needs a father figure to speak into her life. Oh, my goodness, this time is going too fast. Uh, can, I, can I ask you a couple more questions? You got a couple more minutes? Sure. <laughs> so if you were standing face-to-face, Felicia, with dads listening today, and you could speak into their lives, what would you want to say from your heart to theirs? Well, I want to share with all you great dialed-in dads that being a stand-in dad or an honorary dad can change the life of another so much. I'm definitely changed. I've definitely had a better life because I had my three dads. And for me, this was one of the most important relationships I had outside of my husband, my children, and my mother. I feel very blessed to have had these three special men in my life that I'll be forever grateful for. Mm -hmm. So you're saying to dads, Dial in. You're already dialed into your kids. Now do it to other kids. There's there's kids that need good father figures and role models. You know, and not only just kids, but we're thinking specifically of daughters and how other young girls, young women could be impacted just watching how you as an honorary dad treat your wife or treat the women in your life. It could be a sister or your own mother that could stand in stark contrast to what she has at home or what she's experienced because you've heard me say that more is caught than 
been taught. So that daughter is feeling and hearing the tone of your voice. And she's internalizing that because you're giving her a model that's not just in a movie or a television show, but real life right here, right now, as she gets to experience the health of how a dad should be treating women in his life. And I'm saying, dad, never underestimate the impact that you can have in modeling a healthy interaction between a man to his wife, to other women, to his daughters. Man, it would put me and Felicia out of business. That much I know for sure. So I love to always end every program with a go step at the end of each show. So Felicia, what would you share with fathers one action step that they could put into right motion this week to reach the heart of daughters outside of even his own biological children? Well, first of all, I would say make sure you're getting to know your daughter's friends. And don't hang back and disappear when your daughter has friends over, but talk to those girls. Take an interest in what their activities are. Ask some questions about their life. Mm -hmm. Um, Talk to them during dinner when your daughter has a friend over. And also include girls in family activities and dinners out or even vacations and treating them like a family member Mm. because that makes it safe for a girl who has trouble trusting and will make her feel less different and stand out less. Oh, I love that. Oh, Felicia, I loved having you here today where we have talked about how honorary dads can heal an honorary daughter's hurting heart. For those of you listening, you've heard today from my friend, marriage and family therapist, Felicia Snell. You've heard about how three honorary dads have made a forever deposit in your life. So between today and next Monday, dads, follow her suggestions to open your eyes to the needs of other daughters who are in your home and in your world. As always, you can write to me at Dr. Michelle Watson at thedadwhisper.com. You can go to my website, drmichellewatson.com, and find free resources. You can sign up for my bi-monthly Dad Daughter Friday blogs. And if you've enjoyed this, you can even go to iTunes where you can listen to it again. So thanks, dads, for joining us today. Felicia and I have appreciated having you here. And this is a day, dads, where you can intentionally and consistently invest in the lives of daughters around you. Go, dads. Go, dads. 